I'm Mallory King, certified trainer and sports nutritionist and creator of the Fit Life Academy brand. After losing 100 pounds, I became obsessed with helping women finally reach their goals through evidence-backed nutrition and brain-based tools. My life's mission is helping you discover that creating food freedom and falling in love with fitness are the greatest acts of self-care. I'm so glad you're tuning in today, and I know you're ready to say yes to your new life of joy, pleasure, and peace. So let's begin. Hello, fit friends. Happy New Year. It, the day of recording this, is January 2nd. It's Monday, so I feel like it's the real first day of the year, right? I think that's how it is most years. <laughs> for, for a lot of people, the first day stayed up really late, they drank the night before, so I think we all consider the first as like a recoup day, which worked out perfectly because that was Sunday this year. So for a lot of us, we are starting a new journey today. And I, for one, love, 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 love New Year's resolutions. I love the new year. And I know that there are certainly aspects to the New Year's resolutions and the marketing for New Year's, especially in the diet and fitness industry, that's very toxic, very frustrating, like telling people that they need to do a detox, a juice cleanse, fucking selling diarrhea tea. There are certainly very frustrating aspects of the new year, but for a lot of people, it's an opportunity for a clean slate, an opportunity to start embodying the version of themselves that they want to be, which was a huge focus on the last podcast and um, I think the last two podcasts where we focus on identity work. I'm also super excited about today because it's the first day of our Balanced Bitch New Year's Challenge, which is a 12-week challenge in FitLife Academy where you get your workouts, your nutrition, and also weekly content, weekly challenges to help you reach your goals. So every week is different and every challenge is different. For this New Year's Challenge, we are focusing on identity and embodiment work, which is why it's been the theme of some of the recent podcasts because it's work that I I have been diving deep into and teaching and creating content for in FitLife Academy. So today is the first day for a lot of new people in FitLife Academy, and I am just so excited for them. I got to check in with all my new clients. I got to go live in the Facebook group and talk to some of our new members. It's been a lovely day. If you are not feeling the same, if you are not feeling very excited and motivated for the new year, I highly recommend going back and listening to podcast number seven, where we kind of do an assessment on 2022. We talk about why your goals did not manifest in 2022, and I give you four main reasons why that happened. So definitely check out that podcast if you haven't already. But today's episode is one that I probably get this question more than any other question. And I was so excited to record this podcast today. I was actually, I've been for the last 30 minutes waiting for my husband Thomas to leave. He has to go pick up our daughter, our one-year-old Lily, who goes to her aunt's house every Monday. I was waiting for him to leave so I could start recording and I was starting to get so antsy. I was like, Thomas, when are you leaving? I need you to go so I can start recording. I am so excited about this episode. Like I start getting this like really fidgety, anxious energy out of excitement, out of like, I want to, I have so much in my brain that I am ready to spill out. I'm ready to share. So please, can you leave and go pick up Lily so I can record this? Um, so the time is now and today we're going to be talking about about, I have five ways, five things for you to start practicing and add into your toolbox that's going to help you with overeating or binge eating. And I want to start this episode by providing a disclaimer. So when I say binge eating, this is something that a lot of people that struggle with overeating or emotional eating, they will categorize themselves as a binge eater or say that they struggle with binge eating. So that's why I wanted to include that in the title. However, 
this podcast is not speaking to people that are truly dealing with binge eating disorder. This is a mental health disorder that should be properly diagnosed by a mental health professional and treated by a mental health professional. I am not a mental health professional. I am a personal trainer and a sports nutritionist. So the information that I'm providing is geared towards people that are struggling with emotional overeating or the people that have self-diagnosed as binge eaters, but maybe aren't dealing with binge eating disorder and instead just feel that they struggle with it. So if you do feel that you struggle with binge eating disorder, I highly recommend talking to a mental health professional, getting an evaluation and getting a proper diagnosis. Now, in proper Mal's fashion, some of these some of these five tips, five tidbits for dealing with emotional eating are going to be a little bit unconventional. That's how we do things here at Fit Life Academy. We are very unconventional. You're going to hear some things that you've maybe heard before or logically make sense, but a few of these I think you're going to be pretty surprised by. So let's just get into it because I'm freaking excited. The first thing that you need to work on and dealing with overeating is to stop feeling guilty about overeating. This is arguably the hardest of the five. We're gonna start out with the most serious one because honestly, it's one of the most important ones. And it might not seem like it makes sense, right? Again, unconventional wisdom here. Like, okay, if I stop feeling guilty for overeating, I'm gonna overeat less. Actually, yes, probably yes, because when you feel this guilt, when you feel, when you start berating yourself for overeating, you start to beat yourself up for overeating. What you're doing is you're quieting your intuition. You're quieting your, the connection to your body, to how you truly feel from the experience of overeating. So when you have that loud voice in your head, that's telling you, God, Mallory, you're such a piece of shit. You just overate again. You keep telling yourself that you're not going to grab the chips, that you're not going to start eating out of the bag of chips, that you're not going to finish the entire family size bag of chips. I'm telling you this from like literally personal experience of a place that I was years ago. And I would do the same thing. I would literally do this. I would tell myself, I'm not going to overeat. I'm going to stay on plan. I'm going to stay on track. I'm going to take care of myself. And then Inevitably, I would turn to overeating because that was my primary way of coping with my emotions. 100% I was like one of the worst emotional eaters out there. And so I would turn to food for that emotional comfort because that was the primary way that I coped for a long time. And after overeating, I would feel immense guilt right? Like you probably can relate to that feeling really shitty about myself. So I would be in my head beating myself up so frustrated with myself. Why do I always do this? I'm such a letdown. I always fuck this up. I'm such a failure. And because you have that loud voice in your head telling you this negative self-talk, what it does is it quiets Again, your intuition, your ability to tune in to how you truly feel, how your body feels. So for me personally, as I started to work on positive self-talk, and this is an interesting um, point to make, I did not realize how influential this was for my overeating until I came out on the other side. Like I started my journey, I shared this in the podcast, How I Lost 100 Pounds, and I shared how at the end of my journey of losing 100 pounds, I had realized like, okay, I'm not magically happier with myself, with my body. Like I thought weight loss was gonna make me super confident, super secure, I was gonna feel so beautiful and great about myself. And I realized at the end of that journey that no, this was something that I needed to go on an inner journey because I still had those inner habits of really negative self-talk and nitpicking my body. Like that was an inner journey that I had to go on, right? So when I went on this inner journey of working on talking to myself with more compassion, more kindness, and just being more neutral as well and being less hard on myself, 
A side effect that I found was less overeating. And when I started to rationalize, like, why is this? This is so interesting because in so many different areas of my life, I was working on being kinder to myself, right? So automatically when I was overeating, I was practicing, okay, I don't want to beat myself up here, right? I'm practicing positive self-talk. So the version of me, the this identity of somebody who is kind to herself, who has self-love, who takes good care of herself, Self, what does that version of Mallory say when she has overeaten and she starts to feel that guilt? So I would practice that all the time, right? And I started to notice that, yeah, I was overeating less. So when I did start to like look into why is that? Like what's happening here? I started to realize that when I would overeat and as time went on and as I practiced it, practiced that positive self-talk, that voice of guilt and shame in my head was so much quieter. So when I overate afterwards, instead of focusing on that voice that was telling me you're such a piece of shit, you always fuck this up, you're a terrible person, why do you always do this? That wasn't happening anymore. What was able to happen was I was able to really tune in to how I felt, right? And physically, physically, I did not feel good. When I overate, it made me feel very bloated. Like I would get gassy. I would get uncomfortable. You know the feeling, right? Like you try to go to bed and you're like, oh my God, ugh, my stomach hurts. You know, like I got to get some loose pants on. I'm not feeling good. You start to get gassy. Sometimes you feel constipated the next day. It allowed me, when I stopped having that loud negative voice in my head, it allowed me to really tune into, ooh, okay. Well, first of all, I'm big time celebrating that I'm not beating myself up right now. Like that was the first, I will never forget the first time that it really clicked. Like all the practice of self-talk really came together and clicked for me. And I will never forget the, the time that I overate and I didn't feel any guilt afterwards. I wasn't beating myself up about it. I will literally never forget. Like I can envision it right now in my head. We lived in Colorado. I was sitting on my love seat in, uh, in the living room. We were watching TV. I don't remember what exactly we were watching. I'm pretty sure it was pizza that I ended up having like three or four slices. And I was just like, ugh, I'm so uncomfortable right now. But then I was like, oh, I didn't just like beat myself up. I wasn't just like berating myself because I overate and like I started celebrating big time. I was like, this is such a big milestone for me. But yeah, like looking back in hindsight to that situation, I did have that feeling of like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable right now. My tummy hurts. I don't feel good. So I was able to really tune into how I felt and I was able to identify, I don't like this feeling. And at that present moment, I didn't have to like evaluate that feeling, you know, what I've learned over time since that happened, because that was like, I think three or four years ago that that happened. I didn't have to evaluate, okay, I don't like this feeling. So that means I need to stop overeating. I need to not do this anymore. There was no pressure either. That's That pressure is a part of that negative self-talk. Putting pressure on yourself and stressing yourself out like, oh my God, I need to stop overeating. Why do I keep doing this to myself? I'm gonna gain weight. I'm gonna continue to feel like shit. I'm gonna continue to be uncomfortable. There was none of that. That all comes from that negative voice in your head. And that negative voice was not there anymore. And I can happily, confidently say that it still isn't three or four years later. So truly amazing. Um, but... Yeah, looking back, like at the at the moment, I recognized that physical discomfort, but I didn't have to evaluate like, okay, I need to stop overeating because clearly it's not working out for me. It's making me uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah. Like I didn't have to think about it. Naturally, intuitively, I noticed looking back from that point till now, I stopped overeating so frequently, like the occasions became fewer and farther between because I was able to tune out that guilty voice to practice positive self-talk or at the very least neutral, just observe the situation, observe how it made me physically feel. 
And from that feeling, I naturally was motivated to want to overeat less, right? Because all of that practice that I put into the positive self-talk, like I was starting to feel good. I was like, oh my God, this is the way. Like, how did I live so many decades being such an asshole to myself and so making myself so miserable when I didn't have to be that way? So it was kind of the same thing with overeating. It, like, but I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to use conscious thought. It was just an automatic subconscious um, result or action to want to overeat less because I liked feeling good. Okay, so let's get into number two. So the second thing that you need to work on to start dealing with the emotional overeating is being able to sit with uncomfortable emotions, being able to sit in discomfort. And when I say this, I don't mean in a literal sense necessarily. Maybe you could be literally sitting with an uncomfortable emotion. I've certainly done it like in meditation or just in like a mindfulness practice, but it doesn't have to mean literally sitting with an emotion. It just means being able to experience an uncomfortable emotion. So maybe it's sadness, maybe it's stress, maybe it's anger, frustration, being able to experience a spectrum of emotion and not have to react to it. That's what I mean when I say being able to sit in an uncomfortable emotion. You don't feel the need to immediately react to it. This is so important because this is why for a lot of people, they turn to food and they have an issue overeating is that they don't know how to experience uncomfortable emotions without reacting to the emotion, trying to find something to quickly alleviate that emotion, to quickly make that uncomfortable emotion go away. So for a lot of people, they numb or they suppress an uncomfortable emotion They're avoiding that feeling. They're afraid of that feeling. And for a lot of people, they turn to food to suppress that feeling. And it makes sense why so many of us turn to food. So for me, this was a learned behavior. My mom is an emotional eater. And growing up, we talked about um, programming and conditioning in like the first two podcast episodes. We really dig into conditioning there. And so growing up, I was modeled the behavior of when you're dealing with sadness, when you're dealing with anger, when you're dealing with resentment, any uncomfortable emotion, you turn to food for comfort, right? So that was a learned behavior for me and for a lot of us. And a lot of us are in that behavior. We're using that coping mechanism because one, (laughs) that's what was modeled for us, right? But two, the reason why this has become such an issue for so many people is because food is overall a very easily accessible, like in our modern society, a very easily accessible and affordable substance that can provide a moment of pleasure, right? That can give us a quick spike of dopamine. So of course, (laughs) a lot of us have turned to hyper palatable foods. Like usually you're not overeating or binging on apples or broccoli or carrots. It's usually a hyper palatable food. And what I mean by hyper palatable food is a food that is high in salt and sugar content. So it's got a lot of flavor, right? So it's it's very, like when it hits your, your taste buds, it's a very extreme, exhilarating experience. It provides a lot of pleasure. And let me tell you, these hyper palatable foods, <laughs> the creators of these chips and cookies and the treats that you love so much, these companies that make these foods know exactly, exactly what they're doing. They literally employ scientists to get the perfect blend of the salt and the sugar and the flavoring to make it so you do not want to stop eating. I think I think that one of the brands, I don't know if I can say the name, <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. One of the very popular brands out there for hyper palatable foods, it's a chip brand. And their slogan is once you pop, you can't stop. Actually, there's two. One chip brand, it's once you pop, you can't stop. And then the other one is bet you can't have just one. 
It's like they're teasing you. They know it's like a challenge. They know how difficult it is to stop eating these foods because they're so pleasurable, right? So just having that knowledge and awareness can be super helpful for you to be like, mm. like for me, it made me so mad. It like made me want to rebel. I'm like, oh, fuck you. You're you're trying to like brainwash me or like hypnotize me. I don't like that. You know what you're doing. And that makes me mad. So that awareness in itself might be very helpful for you. But truly, what we're going to talk about right here for this one and the next one that we're going to talk about, truly the most important thing is being able to not provide yourself that instant pleasure, especially when you're feeling discomfort. I see, I work with so many clients that this second one alone makes such a huge impact for them because they have spent their whole lives suppressing and numbing uncomfortable emotions that, let me tell you this, when you do not release an emotion, when you keep it trapped in your body, it stays in your body. The body keeps score. That energy is not released it is trapped inside of you so that emotion is still there it still festers you're just prolonging that emotion so when you're able to just feel that emotion just let it be okay i'm feeling sadness right now i'm feeling lonely right now and that's okay i'm able to experience a wide range of emotions and trust that emotions are just temporary so i'm gonna sit with this emotion i'm gonna allow myself to feel sad and i'm gonna know that it's it's going to eventually pass it's going to inevitably be over and i'll be okay so i'm affirming to myself right now that i am able to sit in discomfort i am able to deal with stress i am comfortable in the discomfort that's one of my favorite affirmations that i tell myself all the time i am comfortable in discomfort because let me tell you something let me give you a very important secret to success right here Success is uncomfortable as fuck. Success requires you to get the fuck out of your comfort zone. Whatever goal you have, whatever you want to achieve that you don't currently have is going to take stressful situations. It's going to take discomfort. It's going to take you getting out of your comfort zone. That's not a bad thing. And feeling uncomfortable emotions is not a bad thing and it's not something to be afraid of because you are capable of dealing with those emotions you are capable of navigating discomfort so that's that's certainly a big thing there to help you with sitting with those uncomfortable emotions is knowing that you do have what it takes i am a firm believer that life only gives you what you can handle you can handle anything that you are feeling you can handle that emotion so knowing that and knowing that it's temporary, I would love to give this example here. Um, this is something that really helped me when I was dealing with when my anxiety was at its worst. And I was working with my therapist on um, overcoming my anxiety and at least or at least managing it and, and working with it and living with it. Right. And her advice to me was Mallory. When you start to feel anxious, doesn't it get you all worked up? And you're like, oh my God, this is scary. I want to run from this. I don't like this. Ah, right? Like that's how a lot of us feel when we feel anxious. She said, Mallory, you need to befriend your anxiety. When your anxiety comes up, say, hey. And, and another thing that we did was we like kind of um, disassociated it from me. So I decided to look at my anxiety as a scared little kitten. <laughs> but for some people, they do like their inner child, you know, like your inner child, your wounded child maybe is scared. Um, but it really helps to disassociate it from you as who you are right now as an adult. So for me, like when I started to feel anxious, I just looked at it as like, oh, OK, the scared little kitten. She is, she's afraid right now. She's getting a little frantic. I am here, it's okay. Like I started to think of myself as like the calm mother cat that was there to let the frantic little anxious kitten know everything's gonna be okay, we're safe, we're protected. Um, and yeah, the advice was befriend it, befriend that feeling. So when you feel anxious, when you feel sad, whatever emotion that you're struggling with, just welcome it in. You will be amazed at what happens when you actually just accept it and say, hey, how you doing, anxiety? I know you. 
we're, we're very close. <laughs> um, just allowing that feeling to be. And it's truly incredible how much faster my anxiety started to process, like how much faster that feeling went away when I just allowed it to be. I didn't fight it. Fighting it only made it get worse. It only made the kitten freak out and start scratching me and hissing at me. It just became more problematic. So you certainly need the ability to sit with uncomfortable emotions, and that is a very important aspect to dealing with an issue of overeating. But the next one kind of goes hand in hand with this one. Once you have identified a feeling that you're experiencing and you welcome it in, you say, hey, okay, I'm feeling this right now. That's okay. I'm going to allow this feeling to be. I'm not going to run from it. I'm not going to numb it or suppress it. I'm just going to allow it to run its course. It's like a wave, right? It's just ride the wave. The next thing that you want to have in your toolbox is some self-soothing techniques. So currently you do have a self-soothing technique, right? And it's food. That's your primary way of coping with discomfort. That's your primary coping mechanism in your life. And again, don't feel bad about that. It's very common. It was something that I had dealt with for decades, something that a lot of people deal with, like pretty much every single client that I've ever worked with has dealt with to some degree, some of us more than others, and that's okay. There are worse things in the world that you could use like hard drugs or violence or something like that. So you're not a bad person for turning to food. Let's just clear that up right now. <laughs> Nothing to feel guilty about, remember? No guilt. We don't need to beat ourselves up for it. Um, but currently, if your self-soothing technique is food, then what you need, number three of how to deal with your overeating or binge eating problem is having new tools, new self-soothing techniques to utilize outside of food. So I highly recommend making a list here. And this is going to be a different list for everyone. We're all different. What works for us, what brings us pleasure, what makes us feel good, what helps us decompress. I will tell you that my list, I can, I can share my list with you. For me, walking is a big one. Getting outside in the fresh air and in the sunshine, which I know is hard, especially right now if you're listening to this in January, maybe where you live, it's dreary and gray and cold outside. I know it's difficult. I will tell you that even when it is cloudy and gray outside, even when it's really cold, it is still beneficial to get outside and get that fresh air. Um, you do get benefits from the sun. It just takes a lot longer when it's really cloudy. From my understanding, like on a clear sunny day, you can start getting the benefits from the sun in about three to five minutes on a completely gray overcast day. It takes about 30 minutes, but the benefits are still possible. When I lived in Colorado, it was a struggle. It was so hard to get outside on those really cold gray days. But I will tell you, like I definitely started feeling the seasonal mood disorder with winters out there and committing to going on a walk even if it was just 15 minutes if i didn't make the whole 30 minutes it still really did make a tremendous difference for my mood so walking is my number one because i really i always feel so much better after a walk like the fresh air being outside it really helps clear my head so that one is my number one technique but i think it's important to have a handful because it's going to depend on what you're going through in that moment Moment, what environment you're in in the moment, right? Like if you are dealing with the winter blues right now, it's really gray out, maybe walking isn't the best option for you. Maybe it's calling a loved one, calling somebody that you really care about that makes you feel good, give them a ring. Like there's nothing wrong with leaning on a support system. I think it's very important to have a support system in place. Of course, it's number one priority to be able to navigate feelings and emotions on your own, but certainly leaning on your support system is very important as we, as, as humans, it's in our nature to want that feeling of connection. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. Um, another thing on my self-soothing technique list is reading. So I love to read and I love to read personal development. I love to read self-help books. However, if I'm going through an emotion where I'm sad, I'm feeling lonely, I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling overwhelmed or burnt out or stressed out with work, I'm not going to read a self-help book. I read self-help books when I'm in like a mood to learn, to, to absorb some knowledge, to like, you know, personal growth stuff. 
when I'm reading to just comfort myself or for pleasure, it's going to be a fictional novel. So my favorite is like, <laughs> please don't laugh at me. It's like fantasy romance. I love if you've ever read the novel or the series, it's a pretty popular series, um, A Court of Thorns and Roses. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that series so much. I just read it for a second time because I love it so much. That series is actually what got me into the genre like fantasy romance or fantasy erotica. It is good stuff. Whew, I love it. It just brings me so much joy. I get so absorbed into the plot and the characters and it just takes me to a whole new world. Like literally the Court of Rose and, Roses and wait, Court of Thorns and Roses. We got this. Um, it is based in a different world. It is not Earth. Um, so it's just so fun to get like lost in a different world. And so that brings me a ton of pleasure. And again, so it's it's okay to self-soothe. It's okay to utilize these coping mechanisms that help you kind of you know get lost, like I said, with the books, like getting lost in this um, fantasy world as long as you are doing number two as well. As long as you are dealing with the emotion that you're, you're feeling discomfort from, that is very important. Because when we're, we're only using these coping mechanisms to, you know, if we're trying to like suppress or numb the feeling from these coping mechanisms, like I said, it's just gonna make it worse. So we need to be able to sit with that discomfort and then turn to self-soothing techniques, but ones that are positive and productive to our lives, right? Because with food, when we turn to food and overeat, we tend to not feel good afterwards. And I'm not talking about that guilty feeling. That's something that we want to move away from. But physical discomfort, like actual discomfort, it still is not enjoyable a lot of the time, right? When I read my fantasy novels, <laughs> by the end of it, I feel great. You know, I'm like, oh my God, that was so exhilarating. That was so fun. Oh my God, like I'm thinking about the characters. I'm thinking about the story. I'm just, I'm not in a bad mood. You know what I mean? So other ones for me, playing video games is a big one. I love playing video games with my friends. That's like something I do most nights. At the end of the day, the work is done. The kids are in bed. I sit back, relax. Sometimes I smoke a little bit of pot. That's another way for me to self-soothe that I used to overuse and abuse, just like food and have come to be able to enjoy some, that in moderation, just like maybe you enjoy your glass of wine, right? There's a difference between using alcohol, using weed, using food to a degree where it's not negatively impacting your life and versus it being an, a hindrance on your life or your goals, right? So I love to unwind at the end of the night playing a couple of video games with my friends. That is such a fun way for me to like socialize and connect with the people I love and have a good time and just, yeah, decompress. And it brings me pleasure. It brings me joy. Um, other ones that I really like, I love dancing. I am not a good dancer. I will probably, I, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say, I'll probably not dance in front of you, but <laughs> if you follow me on Instagram, <laughs> I do a lot of stupid dance videos <laughs> and my reels. As, so as you may have seen, I'm not a good dancer by any sense of the word, <laughs> but it brings me joy. It brings me joy to move my body. Like it just feels like I just release that energy. It just automatically like elevates my mood. It feels so good to put a song on that I love and just move my body to it. So for me, dancing is definitely a self-soothing technique. If I'm going through something, if I just need a boost in my mood, that's definitely something that I turn to. Another one is breath work. So breath work, I don't think I've discussed it all on the podcast, but breath work has been something that's become really influential in my self-care toolbox journey, whatever you want to call it, lately. And I plan to do an entire episode all about breath work, what it is, how it works, and then even do like a guided breath work with you guys where you can actually do it with me on the podcast and get the benefits of it. So I'm really excited about that. I'll definitely dig into that more. But if you want to look into breath work, you can just Google it. You can find tons of resources. Um, so of course, also like meditation is a great one. So you have to figure out what makes sense to you. What makes you feel good? Like just start thinking about it. What are things that bring you pleasure, bring you joy? What makes you feel good? And that's your list. Those are your self-soothing techniques. And so the key is, <laughs> the trick here is, you have your list, you have to use it. You have to use it. And right now, that's going to take conscious effort. That's gonna take practice. Because right now you're used to turning to food. 
You're you, like, it's habitual. It's just automatic. It's, it's subconscious, like an unconscious habit that you're in to turn to food, right? You don't have to like use for, for me, and you might relate to this, like you don't even realize that you overate until you're done. You're like, wait, what just happened? Why did I do that? Oh my God, like in the moment, you're not like giving it conscious effort. And that's because you're just in the habit of doing it. So it does take a consistent practice to make these new techniques habit. And so you need to have some way to consciously remind yourself every day, whether it's setting an alarm on your phone, putting post-it notes around your house, like on your fridge, on your pantry, something as the background on your phone, putting a, a note on your desk, on your bathroom mirror, whatever you need to do to remind yourself every day, hey, practice these techniques. And that was another great tip from my therapist when I was dealing with the anxiety and we were working on techniques to help me with my anxiety. And she was like, Mallory, you can't just work on these techniques when you're struggling, when you're feeling anxious. You need to practice these techniques every single day so that when an, a panic attack does come on, when you're feeling really anxious, they are second nature to you. Like they're just automatic. That's just how you respond. So I practice that shit. I'm a great student. I will I'll tell you what, <laughs> when I'm going through a course, I'm listening to a podcast of somebody that I really respect, I really look up to, if they're giving me homework or they're giving me something to practice, I'm going to freaking listen. I'm gonna try it, right? Like I'm like, okay, I'm gonna give it a month. I'm gonna see what happens here. Why not? Let's try it out. So I did my homework. I practiced that shit every single day. And sure enough, it did it tremendously. I haven't had a panic attack since May of 2020. So yay. <laughs> so this shit does indeed work. And yeah, you need to choose your techniques and start practicing them. Okay. Woo. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> I had to take a sip of water. I had to like fan myself off. Um, this is definitely going to be the longest podcast I've done thus far. So it's really exciting. And like I said, this is a topic that, I mean, I talk about it more than anything else with my clients on Instagram this is the bulk of my work. So it's one that I'm very passionate about. I'm very informed on. I have a lot of wisdom with because I've also gone on this journey my own, right? Like I'm embodying all of these tips and techniques that I'm helping you with. And I know how powerful they are. So number four, let's get into it. We have two more. We have four and five left. Number four for dealing with overcoming your overeating and binge eating is having boundaries. Having a solid foundation of self-care is really what it is. A solid foundation of self-care, but boundaries is number one on that list in my opinion. I did an episode, I cannot recall off the top of my head which episode it was. It was like number two or number three on how to stop people-pleasing and how people-pleasing contributes to issues of overeating. And again, like this is like what <laughs> my people pleasing issues, my lack of boundaries causes me to overeat like, huh, <laughs> it might seem unconventional. But if you really think about it, it makes a whole lot of sense. And I'm not going to dig too deep into this number four, this, um, you know, needing to establish boundaries and work on your people pleasing to overeat less because I did that already. And I believe it was episode two, maybe episode three. So definitely give that one a listen if you haven't already. But essentially you lacking boundaries, you saying yes to people and circumstances, events, environments, situations that are not a yes for you internally, that you're just saying it because you feel bad, you want to be a good friend, you want them to think that you're you know, a cool person, a nice person, whatever reason that it is, aside from like you actually wanna do it, when you're saying yes to all those things that you don't truly want, you're saying no to yourself. And when you say yes to all of these things and you spread yourself too thin and you create a life that's not something that provides you a lot of pleasure, that feels balanced, that feels fulfilling, that you're passionate about, that's going to cause you to turn to things that give you quick pleasure in your life. And again, like we talked about with number two, food is an easy one. Food is such an easy and accessible way to provide yourself a moment of pleasure. It's no wonder why so many of us do it, right? So when you don't have a lot of pleasure in your life, when you don't have a lot of passion and fulfillment in your life, it's very likely that you're going to turn to food. So when you are overworked, when you are overwhelmed, when you are stressed out, when you are burnt out, it's very likely 
What are you going to do? <laughs> I think you I think you're getting it. <laughs> you're going to turn to food. I definitely struggled with this for a long time with work. I was the first few years of my business, I worked every single day. I didn't give myself a day off. And I mean, in retrospect, I don't regret it. I built a business, right? Like it takes a lot of work. I don't have any regrets. However, I definitely can look back and see how it contributed to overeating because I was definitely very stressed out and I put a lot of pressure on myself in the business. And that was the big thing, I think, is that it came down to that pressure. Remember when we talked about number one and that feeling of guilt? And if you start to feel pressure of like, I have to stop overeating. Oh my God, I'm going to gain weight. That pressure is not serving you. If anything, like it's just making the problem worse. So that was the exact case with the pressure that I put on myself with work. And I think I shared this in the people pleasing episode is like I started to feel resentful towards aspects of my of my business and my job because I was so stressed out and I was so overworked. So these things can manifest into turning to food for comfort and pleasure. If you are a mom that's not getting help, if you're a parent that's not getting enough support with your children, like your life is all about your kids, you don't have time for your you don't have boundaries if you're just somebody that just doesn't have like for me uh, the most recent area of my life that I realized I was not having boundaries in was with friendships I was letting friends walk all over my boundaries because my boundaries did not exist with friends like I was the friend that was like if you need something call me I'm there I've got your back I'm there to save the day kind of thing like the liberator mentality and I, of course, that came from wanting to be a people pleaser. I wanted to be loved, right? Like I wanted people, my friends to be like, oh my God, like I'm so grateful for you. I can rely on you, yada, yada, yada. I've come to realize recently that that's all from people pleasing, right? And so when you're a people pleaser and you say yes to things and people that isn't a true yes to you, you are going to create a life that is not yours. You are going to create a life that is unfulfilling, lacking passion, lacking that desire and excitement that you deserve in your life to live your best life, to live for you, nobody else. Stop being fucking nice. Let me tell you, as a recovering people pleaser, there's a song that Meg The Stallion put out, which I'm not like the biggest like Nicki Minaj, Meg The Stallion fan, like that kind of music, but I have come to appreciate Meg The Stallion from her newest album because she has that song Anxiety on it. If you like Meg The Stallion, oof, I do love that song. That song slaps. And then there's another one on that album, Not Nice. And I will tell you, that song has been my anthem for the last six months. I don't give a shit anymore about being the nice girl. I don't give a shit about if you think that I am nice to you. I'm a kind person. I'm a compassionate person. Like, I empathize with people. I care about people 1,000%, but I care about myself first, right? Like, I care about making sure that I'm taken care of first because, one, I know that taking care of myself first is going to allow me to serve other people better, right? Like I show up as a better mother, as a better wife, as a better coach when I serve my needs first. But two, it's my fucking life. Nobody else has to live it. Nobody else has to live my life in my body, in my environment, my experiences, but me. So I decide to live life the way that I love, that makes me feel so freaking good. And that has contributed so much to not overeating. I used to say when I was a teenager that food was my best friend. Like literally that's the lamest thing ever, but it's 100% true. I remember saying it out loud to one of my friends in high school when I was eating the fucking like half gallon of ice cream in her freezer. They're just chilling at our house. I was just like, I'm hungry. I want to grab something. Like we were on that level. We were really good friends. So grabbed the entire half gallon, was eating right out of it. And I remember telling her, food is my best friend. And I remember the look she gave me. She's like, you're weird. (laughs) That was the look she gave me. Like, what the hell? (laughs) But I didn't have a lot of friends growing up and I had a very like dysfunctional family life. So food was that one constant, consistent source of pleasure, source of comfort in my life, right? But now I'm my best friend. 
I'm my own best friend. I love spending time with myself and I also have a plethora of other sources of joy and pleasure in my life. I have so many different things. I have so many friends and family members that I love, that love me. I have so many activities like hobbies and passions that I do that fulfill me. I live a life that I love. And so I'm not constantly feeling the need to turn to food for pleasure and comfort in my life because I already experience it in so many different ways. So like I said, go listen to that podcast. I'm pretty sure it's podcast number two, how to stop people pleasing and how it's affecting your relationship with food. And that brings us to the last one. Number five, I want to scream this one from the fucking rooftops because it's 2023 now and it's still such a prevalent issue in the fitness and diet world. There's so many, there's still all of the BS diet culture marketing and toxic marketing out there and number five of dealing with your emotional eating binge eating overeating problem is to stop fucking restricting your calories and your food so much stop it stop it right now (laughs) i'm telling you when you are eating more when you are eating enough And when you are allowing yourself to eat the foods that you love frequently in your diet, it's a hell of a lot easier to practice moderation. So we just got done with the holidays, right? And so this was a common thing that I was getting in my DMs. Like, how do I stop binge eating over the holidays? How do I deal with not overeating all of these holiday treats? And again, I used to be the same way, like the same way. Thanksgiving, Christmas Day, like by the end of the night, I was like, oh my God, I feel terrible. I want to die. I'm so full, like just miserable, right? You probably can relate. I haven't experienced that in years. And the reason why is because I practice moderation. I practice mindful eating with all foods. I enjoy the stuffing, mashed potatoes, cookies, cakes, pie year round. Like anytime I crave something, I'm going to allow myself to enjoy it. And I will give you one little tip or strategy that I provide my clients in Fit Life Academy. If I have a craving for something, like say, I'm trying to think of like the most recent one I've had. Oh my God, yes. They were these like fudge graham cookies. I don't know what they're actually called, but somebody gave us a gift basket of cookies for Christmas. And these fudge graham cookies that I have not had since I think I was a child. I was like, oh my God, I forgot these existed. They're so freaking good. Like I could totally eat a whole sleeve of them. They're that good. But I knew like we had, um, I think the gift basket came with two sleeves of them, right? Because I'm in this mindset where like I can have these fudge graham cookies any time of year. Like I can, these two sleeps can be gone. My kids can eat them all. And like, I'll just go get more. I'm like, oh my God, I remember these exist now. I'm going to go find more. So because I have that mentality of knowing I can have this food any time of year, I was able to enjoy two to three of those cookies every single day until they ran out. And now I'm tired of them. But if I wasn't tired of them, I would go buy more and continue to enjoy two to three every day until I got tired of them. And that's a trick that I share in Fit Life Academy with my clients. When you have a food that you're craving, plan it into your day. Enjoy it every single day until you're over it until like the next craving comes. You're like, you know what? Ooh, I'm over the fudge graham cookies. Now I'm really feeling like Snickers. Like that's what I'm I'm into right now. So go get a bag of fun size Snickers, have two a day and have them every single day until you're over the Snickers, right? For me, I like to do two treats a day. So I have one treat snack around mid-afternoon and then a treat for dessert. And knowing that I have my treats, I have my favorite foods, I can have any food every single day for the rest of my life makes it way easier to just be able to have a few of the cookies or two fun size Snickers because I know I can have more if I'm having it in the afternoon. It's like, okay, I can have two more for dessert later. That's fine. Or I can have two more tomorrow for my afternoon snack and then again for dessert. Like I know it's still there. It's going to always be there. I can make the stuffing and the green bean casserole any time of year. It doesn't have to just be the holidays. Like all of those foods are are always a welcome part of my diet. And that's what really makes, honestly, like really makes Fit Life Academy and why our clients are so successful. That's that's the key right there. That's what we teach in our balanced bitch approach with food is having food freedom, is not needing to cut out any of the foods you love. And that's why so many people do not succeed with their weight loss goals or struggle with overeating is because they're trying to restrict those foods and they get stuck in this cycle of restricting and then binging and then restricting again and then binging again. And it's just 
circular it's a circular circular what's the word i'm looking for i don't cycle i don't know i think circular makes sense but i swear there's another word i'm trying to think of that's not coming up um so the other part of this is Okay, so with a weight loss goal, of course you do have to be at a calorie deficit. And I talk about this in the how I lost 100 pounds. I give you my whole spiel on how weight loss works, what you need for weight loss, what you don't need for weight loss. Um, how weight loss works is you have to be at a calorie deficit. You have to be burning more calories than you consume. So yes, you do have to restrict your calories to a degree to be able to lose weight. But the problem is, is that so many people over restrict. Like I see so many women that come to me to start working with me and I'm like, oh my God, I can't lose weight. I've been so frustrated. I've been trying to eat 1500 calories or 1200 calories a day for two months now and I haven't lost any weight. I'm so frustrated. And I tell them to eat more. Like I send them their plan and it's like 1900 calories. I'm like, no, absolutely not. I can't, how, I couldn't lose weight at 1500. How am I supposed to lose weight at 1900? Well, the first thing I ask them is how often were you actually adhering to the 1500? Were you binging? Were you overeating? Were you having frequent days where you were off plan, struggling, overeating? Yeah, okay. Well, your intake, <laughs> a lot of the times we dig into how they've been eating and we find that their intake was actually averaging out to 2,500 calories a week because you know three days a week they'd eat at the 1,500 and the other four days a week they'd eat at 3,000, you know? So it averaged out to much more. Almost like 90% of the time people eat it, are eating more than they actually realize or are not being honest with themselves. So what we teach in FitLife Academy and the key to being successful with that weight loss goal is you want to eat as much as possible while still seeing results. The key is not to eat as little as you can. That is not the key because it's not sustainable. It's not practical. You're not going to be able to stick to it. It's miserable. You don't, if you're miserable, why the hell would you stick to it, right? You want this process to be as enjoyable, as easy, as effortless as possible. You want to find the path to least resistance. So setting your calorie intake to where you are at a deficit, you are able to see results, but you are not miserable. You are able to eat your favorite foods. You have a solid amount of energy. You're not feeling overly hungry. That's the key. And that's going to help you if you are stuck in that cycle of restricting and then binging. So there you have it. Those are the five steps or five priorities to focus on for overcoming a binge eating or overeating problem. And I just wanted to give you guys uh, some news, an update. We actually have extended enrollment for the New Year's Balanced Bitch Challenge. That's a mouthful. Um, we actually extended enrollment until this Friday, which is Friday, January 6th. We extended enrollment because we had a little bit of a website technical issue fiasco go down last week when enrollment was open. So we decided to extend it through this week. You can still sign up. The sign up page is fitlifeacademy.com slash challenge. We offer group coaching and we still have some one-on-one -on -one coaching spots available. Like I said, you're getting workouts, nutrition, coaching, challenge support, accountability. You're gonna be able to access our community where we have a private community with all of our members. We have veteran members that have been a part of the team for years that you can see their transformation. You can ask them questions as well as us coaches. It's truly a community like this. Our community is my favorite part of FitLife Academy. It's something that I've never seen on the internet before. It's such an uplifting environment where everybody's so supportive, so vulnerable and raw with each other. And like just everybody is so kind and compassionate. I love it so much. But yeah, whether you're doing the group coaching or the one-on-one, -on -one, you have access to us coaches and you have access to us, our members. So you have until Friday, January 6th to sign up for the New Year's Balanced Bitch Challenge. All right, much love to you guys. Mwah. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today and I can't wait to see you next time.